Coaches. Blow the whistle, ay. Blow the whistle, ay. Blow the whistle, they can't hold a flame against you, ay. Blow the whistle, ay. Blow the whistle, ay. Blow the whistle, got the game, it ain't no issue, yeah. Blowing the whistle, I had enough with you, the championship, it is gone. Ain't listen to you, I can't give it to you, cause you don't know what I've been on. This is the coaches, podcast, ripping up everything, off that. Hey guys, welcome into the Fantasy Coaches Podcast. This is your host, Steve Pintado, and with me as always is my main man, Jabron Curtis. What's going on, Tay Jibs? Uh, it's, it's going bad. It's freaking Mondays. Mondays suck, but... Other than that, I'm pretty happy to give some updates of what's going on in the fantasy community and talk to my good friend. Absolutely, man. It's very rare that we actually get a, just a duo session today, so uh, usually we have somebody as a guest on, so uh, this is going to be a lot of fun today, and it's a good episode, too, because uh, we've got a lot of news to talk about. i got a nice tequila cranberry in me right now going on, and we're talking ADP battles. We talked, we did one of these earlier in, I'd say, maybe July, and got a lot of good feedback on uh, doing an episode like this because it kind of just, you know, gives the viewer or listener like you guys an idea of what, if you're in a scenario, what, what do you do in these scenarios here? And uh, we're going to go through 1 through 5th, 13 today, maybe up to 16, depending on how much time we go through. There is a decent amount of news to talk about, so uh, we'll kind of hopefully get through everything today. So we're going to get right into the news portion because that's a lot of fun. And some easy things we're going to just kind of breeze through. Uh, Alan Lazar is favored to land the number two job. We all obviously knew that already. Jarvis Landry comes off the pump, which is a great sign for him right now. And uh, if you can still kind of sneak him in Dynasty right now, he could be a nice buy low right now if he can. Uh, Ronald Jones, the Ari- Bruce Arian says that he is the main guy in this backfield, which as a Ronald Jones truther right here, fantastic. Jeremy Hill uh, didn't have to kill the um, Josh Jacob vibe and got cut already after about a week on the team. Uh, Brandon Edwards, the rookie from South Carolina, has a could start week one. Henry Ruggs is going to be playing out of the slot a lot in year one. If you didn't see, he had a nice little uh, one had to catch in practice already. So, I mean, you know, practice is coming. It's looking fun. Uh, but the biggest news of the day, and I guess there's a little small one too, but we'll get to the big one first, Jibs. Darius Geis cut and and jibs this basically brings a ron rivera like you know culture shock to a lot of people that you know there's no messing around here like you're performing top professional standards and if not you're gonna get cut even after being on the team for just two seasons so what's your take on darius guys now out of you know washington and what could be the future holding for this backfield for me like it's good to the washington team got their act together and they're holding people accountable like that team has been a circus in the front office and coaching and i guess particularly the players but they're looking good rod rare is trying to like improve what's going on there and i think he's done a fantastic job so far let's see some results on the field of course but for the backfield obviously like the only two names that come to my mind are antonio gibson and bryce love the rookie this year and rookie last year although Bryce Love has been battling trying to get back on the field and be healthy for and ready to go but at the end of the day it's just those two for now and obviously AP will have his share but yeah uh, definitely uh you know Gibson definitely is a name that you just said Jibs that shoots up the board guy out of Memphis never saw the big workload so I mean they plan on using him in both the running game and the receiving game so 
who knows he's a little raw so who knows if he can actually learn both positions in a, in a quick amount of time to be really fantasy relevant i know a lot of people are trading for him right now he's jumping he's probably gonna jump up at draft boards uh but it's like antonio gibson someone you're gonna draft in the first you know 10 rounds now the first nine rounds of the draft now jibs oh of course i believe there would be some good value to be said that you're gonna get a player that's gonna have some productive touches on oh, no. It's okay offense. Like I, I do like some of their skill positions, like uh, Terry McLaurin, and uh, I like Steve Sims as well. But we did see like how Washington operates, and a running back does typically get majority of the work. They ran the ball so much, even when they were down. So I just figured the running backs have a good leeway to touches. Like as you said, um, you may not have like that like sustained load that we call because like. It should be back to college when he had like a lot of carries and a lot of touches, but I think they'll make it work back there. Like maybe do a fifty-fifty. You kind of know. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I don't. I'm still a little bit hesitant on it. I mean, I really like him. I draft, draft him in a bunch of redraft. I mean, dynasty league. So he obviously someone appeals to me. Um, I'm just depending on how much playing time he actually gets for the first. You know, having all those snaps is definitely a little bit of a concern. Uh, but I, I think he could do it. I don't know if he's going to be the lead back. I think that's going to be Adrian Peterson's job this coming season here. Uh, and he, Adrian Peterson is definitely a, a good you know, RB4 or 5 in standard leagues. Outside of that, I mean, you're asking touchdown upside at, at least if you're going to go with Adrian Peterson. route, Which isn't, again, just isn't a bad route because you're getting him in the later rounds. And like round 14, 15, 16, again, that's really when you want to go for upside players. But if you're struggling at running back, AP's not a bad guy. He might be on waivers to probably pick up or just with one of your last picks if you want to have that secure, maybe somewhat role on the offense. So AP's not a horrible decision, but isn't someone that's like, you know, someone I'm like, wow, I got to get AP now. Uh, Antonio Gibson, like you were saying, Chips, is definitely the way to go. And I think I, I would say around 10 or late. I still around 10 or 11, so I don't know if I would want to take him with my first nine picks. I think he still has a uh, you know, committee in this offense here. Bryce Love has an opportunity to jump up. Uh, you know, I just heard today that uh, someone from ESPN just said that Peyton Barber could be an all down, a three down back for the Redskins. Oh, I mean, not the Redskins. I'm sorry, the Washington football team. So, like, you really just don't know. I mean, we obviously seen if it was if it was that good Peyton Barber would have been in Tampa Bay still and DJ McKissick let's not forget about him he's been a pass catching back the last couple seasons now uh he could have a role on third downs possibly in the passing games so you really just don't know and and I think it's safe to say don't go and overdraft Antonio Gibson's guys don't go take him in round seven or eight now uh with this news you know still take him in that nine ten range because it's somewhat of a risk and it may not pay off in the early season he may not see that big workload until mid-season late in the year when maybe their season's over and they want to just get him more reps in on the offense so uh take that with some precaution when it comes to antonio gibson yeah it just kind of sucks though because it's like mid-august almost and like people are starting to draft right now so you're kind of getting like some accurate trends or more accurate than like the last month or so it turns out how people are trying to pick their players during the drive season. So this is, we should just do like an AP, ADB check on him right now, see where he's at, and then see where he's at next week and just follow it. Because I think it's going to go up significantly. But if it goes up, like you said, a round or two more, maybe a round and a half, I'm not going to go buy him, though. That's too much risk that you're associating with. Like yeah. Round nine, I feel like it's good, but like AP shoots up to eight. It could be troublesome. 
He is ADP 174 right now, guys. So that puts him about around 14, I would say. 14, 15, probably 15. Uh, the way I'm thinking about it. So he's like on the end, like I had, I did a, you know, a little Washington team profile take. I said he's a late round guy. Uh, with that now, I bet he jumps up probably to a top, to top, you know, probably jumps up to about ADP 114 by, I bet, the end of September. Just watch. We're going we're to come back and check this guy's next week and we're going to follow it because he's going to shoot up draft boards. But guys, just don't overdraft him. I'm telling you, he's a sleeper, but there's other people in this backfield still you don't want to just rely you just can't assume that this guy's just going to break out I, I, he's got potential but don't overdraft him and now we go to the next sudden news this one just came in actually as we were starting to get ready to do our podcast today and lamar miller uh pending physical hopefully pa he doesn't pass uh is planning on signing a one-year deal with the wa uh the new england patriots uh and jibs what are your first thoughts on this I don't care. Dude. Like he's gonna go to the Patriots, and we're still not gonna know he's gonna get the the rushing attempts. So either way, you never know. But it's a good comeback story for him. Like he is pretty old right now, and for him to have that injury and then to come back one more year and play for the Patriots was kind of a, a good deal. But it's not really like the old Patriots, the winning more style ones. <laughs> Would you send it, spend any fab in Dynasty right now to get Lamar Miller? Me? Yeah. Yeah, depending on my team structure, but I'm not gonna like break the bank like in the uh hundred dollars, what what is your percentage? Me, uh if I needed a running back and I thought he would do I will pay five dollars for him, I'm not going to break the bank now. Good. So just so you guys, don't don't go overboard on this. Uh, this could just be a signing like we saw Jeremy Hill that they bring a guy in because they need another back on body i mean lamar Miller. yes he's been a, a player in this league who has done pretty decent in his career but uh I, you know with sony michelle possibly being on the pump that could just mean they need a depth at the time during training camp to kind of just have another body there so don't go nuts with all the you know if you have oh my god i have all these patriot players now don't go nuts and trying to sell them off in dynasty right now don't go crazy i mean if you can buy like damien harris still pretty low i would consider it especially after this now Maybe like, oh, they think the Mar Miller's going to be a starter. You just don't know that yet, and 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 there could be a possibility that Mar Miller gets cut. I mean, he is also over thirty years old now. I mean, why would you bring a thirty-year-old back in? Oh, he's twenty-nine. He's not thirty yet, but he'll be thirty next year, I guess. He's the same age as us. Wow. Uh, but next year he'll be thirty. So like, just don't don't overreact to this yet. Uh, again, it's just a training camp. I think signing, they have a body there. If Sony doesn't go on the pump, I think Lamar Miller would get the boot because I think they like what they have in the backfield there. So I, I wouldn't overreact to having Lamar Miller now possibly in New England. He has to pass the physical, so he may not do that, guys. And uh, that is basically the end of the news for the day. There's going to be more and more things coming up over the next couple of weeks. As you know, we are two, two times a week now, every Monday and, well, every Tuesday and Thursday when you guys listen to this. So uh, there, there's going to be a lot of news coming around. We're going to try to give you as much information and updates as we possibly can. But let's get into the fun segment because I really like this. The last time we did it, it was a lot of fun. I can't think who we had on last time. I hope they, they, they listen. They don't like get mad at us. But I can't remember who we had on last time when we did this. But this was a lot of fun last time. And basically what I did was... I took Fantasy Pro ADP, and I took three players that you could draft around the similar spot, and it could be any spot. And where would you do in that position? And it may not be any particular position per se, but who would you want to have in these? And we know we'd round one to thirteen. We may get to sixteen today, depending. Like I said how much time we have. It's just the two of us, so we could actually end up doing it. Um, so 
you know, round one, we have Joe Mixon. Obviously, we know Joe Mixon, early season struggles with some injury, but came on late and just kind of dominated for fantasy. My God. Yes. DeAndre Hopkins, as we all know, moved to Arizona and is a fresh start with a new team, uh, that pass-heavy offense. And um, Tyreek Hill, of course, has just been a stud and blow-up fantasy games for us over the career, uh, his career. So, Jibs, I'll let you go first, of course. Uh, where, who are you going with, Mixon, Hopkins, or Hill? So I actually had to make this decision yesterday, and if I had one more choice, but um, I had one more choice, but I made that guy. But regardless, I'm going to go with Hill because he's just a walking highlight, real playing in the best offense in the NFL. Sure, he doesn't get peppered with targets like Thomas and Adams, but he sure makes up with it with his speed, his jack, and his touchdown upside. In 2007, he finished four. And standard nine PPR, and then obviously in 2018 was undoubtedly year. He finished one in standard and three in PPR. So I think regardless of the format, like if he gets 110 plus targets this year, it's a great shot. He's in like the top seven. But I'm gonna have to go with Hill. It's just a touchdown upside. Hopkins, like the new scene, scenery. I still think he's gonna elite. He's an elite player, but like he, there's gonna be some chemistry issues early on, kind of. And there's more. Actually, I'll say they're, they're about the same because they have like pretty much um, crowded offenses. They have complementary receivers to take some peppers away. And Mixon, obviously, it's just you never know where you're gonna get though. So you got Joe Burrow there. You could, obviously, we think Joe Burrow is gonna be a decent NFL starter, but you just don't know how that offense is gonna operate early on. So I just want to go with my receiver typically. Yeah, no, uh, I completely agree with you, Jibs. I went with Tyreek Hill as well, guys. It's just you're getting a guy with upside, and, and sometimes taking a risk, a risk like Tyreek Hill is a great upside. And why I say Ty- Tyreek Hill is a risk is because you saw last year, and you, and you can look at other years past. I mean, he had five wide receiver one performances, and he sometimes he has some blow-up games that can win you a week. But then I said, that's I think he had six in 2018, I believe, or 2019, and you play 16 games. So there's definitely games where he kind of fades and definitely doesn't produce high-end numbers. But when he does produce high-end numbers, he produces big high-end numbers. And that's what you kind of get with Tyreek Hill. You're going to get the bad with the good, the boom or bust. Uh, but the boom is so much greater. Uh, while the you know the bust isn't great, but there's times where he could have under you know under five-point games, unfortunately. But there's going to be times where he's going to put up almost 35 points for you one week. And, and that's kind of what you get with Tyreek Hill. So... And again, Mixon, I'm not a big fan of, and we mentioned him in our RB section. And Hopkins, I'm a little concerned about the switch over to Carol, uh, Arizona without an offseason. So Hill, again, same offense, same quarterback, healthy quarterback this year. I don't see Hill in the now. He can't bounce back and have a top you know, three fantasy season. And, uh, and that's what you're getting with getting him. And you're probably going to get these guys here all in the late in the first round. So that's if, if you're in that situation, I think Hill is a fantastic way to go. Uh, and then real quick, Jibs, which one, Hopkins or uh, Mixon? After that? Yes. Uh, wow. Well, you got to give me a format, then. All right. Let's say give me one for standard and one for, you know, PPR. I'm assuming it's standard, Mixon, then Hopkins, and then PPR will be Hopkins and Mixon. What about half PPR, point? I think I will take – I'm going to take – I would still take Hopkins. Mixon. I, I would take Hopkins. I just think there's a uh, there's a clearer, you know, uh, consistency that you don't get, I think, with mixing this year. 
That's true. But I know he's gonna get a lot more touches though. Mm. See, you. I know you're higher on Mixon. I, I just not. I just don't see. It. I, I just don't. I don't like it. And we, so we mentioned that a little bit before on our RB section. So uh, we're going to round two now, though. Uh, round two has got three running backs, and we can. We really mentioned the running backs already, but uh, this one was a really tough one still. And I like to bring this one back up constantly because I think this is what you're getting in round two right here. And it's unfortunately the guys who are in the early round two portion. Um, you're getting a guy like Josh Jacobs, who was a rookie stud last year. Uh, who's going to be hopefully more involved in this offense going into year two now. You get Miles Sanders, another rookie who was, you know, brought on kind of slow, but dominated after injury to Jordan Howard last year and ready to see the big workload. And then you have Kenyon Drake, who he's been around Miami for a couple years, shown flashes and got the trade to Arizona last year. And then he just went off. Uh, who do we have in this section here? Which are which one of these kind of upset RBs are you taking here, Jibs? Is this even a question? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> nah, it definitely isn't. Um, I'm I'm just gonna be a homer. I'm taking Sanders. Um, and the only reason why I am taking Sanders is just because of my fanhood. But all three of these running backs are great. It's definitely a choice of preference whether you're playing standard. If it's standard score, I think I might go with Jacobs. Yeah. But Drake and Sanders, Drake and Sanders is profiling me the same. They play in um, pretty good offenses. They um, have big pass catching ability. I think Sanders is a little bit better, but um, I just think he, Drake's ADP took a, a significant boost because of his uh, last four games of last year, getting six touchdowns, which was absurd. Like, <laughs> but um, other than that, I just believe. Josh Jacobs has a little bit lower ceiling because of his low reception upside. Because obviously they have Jalen Rashard, they have Len Bowen Jr. now, so I just think he's not going to be able to get that many catches. Even though they say, "Oh, Josh Jacobs can catch the ball," we know he can catch the ball, but you got to make him catch the ball. Yeah, and I, I think that's really what it comes down to his receptions with these three guys here. Uh, and if you're in at least ha- we always do our things on half point PPR I always base all my analysis on half point PPR because I think it's the fairest way to go uh, Sanders has the upside with the receiving I think compared to Drake I know Drake saw receiving work last year too but bringing in a guy like Hopkins that takes a big chunk away from the running game right? I personally think and, that, and that's why I don't I think I preferably had Kenyon Drake if they didn't bring in Hopkins probably because I think Kenyon Drake could be a stud this year a little concerned that he hasn't sh- actually carried a full workload but i mean the kid has a tremendous talent to him but sanders for me i think would be the best scenario you're getting in round two right now because you're getting a guy who is commanding this offense there's no one else besides what boston scott i mean boston scott's a great little like you know compliment but sanders is going to see the big workload and the offense is is in demand that they're going to need him to kind of just run the ball and keep them from having to pass constantly because they just can't continue to do that with the young receivers they have on the team. They need to rely on Sanders to be that workout workout back. And again, they never had that before in, uh, with the Eagles over the last you know Doug Peterson career right there. So getting a guy like that, I think in round two, I think it's a safe bet that he's going to see a big workload without any issues in both the receiving and passing game. He had five rushing touchdowns and five reception receiving touchdowns last year, so he's involved in a lot, and he continue will be be involved in both the. Uh, Aaron ground so that I think is the best way you could possibly go in round two of this uh, battle and then we move on to round three guys and round three is another set of running backs and I know we're talking about a lot of running backs the last couple weeks now but 
these are the guys you're getting in round three. You're getting a guy like Chris Carson coming off a major injury who is in a run-first team who the coach really loves. And then you're getting a guy like Leonard Fournette who, you know, has issues with the, the front office and probably his last year in Jacksonville, possibly losing some reception value to a guy like Chris Thompson coming in the offense. Uh, and then you get a guy like Melvin Gordon who's on the move to a new team in Denver who just lost their left tackle or right tackle and has to split time possibly with Philip Lindsay, who has been a very good back as we've known in the last two seasons now. Uh, Jibs, which direction are you leaning here in round three? Because these are mid-round three, late-round three values you're getting. It's, like, disgusting, but you know what one of these guys are going to end up with the team somehow, some way. And if I had these three in the scenario, unfortunately, I would take Chris Carson for your – salient point before because of the fact that the Seattle offense it, it has to run the ball it, it just helps Russell Wilson out so tremendously and without Rashad Penny sure they brought in Carlos Hyde but still I think there's room for Chris Carson to have generate a lot of rushing attempts with Chris Carlos Hyde or just a second back on the team I don't think they're going to give him like legitimate carries but um you can't go wrong. I did. I think him and Fournette are like close second because of the similar style. They're they're both two hundred fifty um, rushing backs. Like you're gonna get the volume. But they're the last of the workhorse. Lenny, he gets hurt often, suspended sometimes. Chris Carson has six. injury problems too. He has injuries like the last couple seasons too. So. And then Gordon, I'm just not really like high on Gordon this year. Obviously, he's a great player, but like I just think the Broncos love Philip Lindsay. He's going to get some touches no matter what. It's just basically kind of like San Diego East because it's just going to be two backs. It's the same thing. He's not really getting the whole backfield to himself. Yeah, no. Uh, I like Chris Carson. Hey guys, you know, I have Chris Carson on my dynasty team, so uh, I'm all in Chris Carson. And and it's really not, it's really close to it. It's, it's none of these players are like, wow, I got to have one over the other, really. It's just what you prefer. And for me, Gordon, he's dealing with Lindsay, and I think he will deal with Lindsay at some point. I don't think Lindsay goes away. They both lost, actually, they lost their both left and right tackles this offseason, Jibs. So that's not a good start. Yes. They lost both due to the COVID opt-outs. So, you know, that's already put you at a negative with a new team. Uh, so that's something I just don't like. Uh, and then Leonard Fournette, while I, I don't hate Leonard Fournette, I think he's a solid standard back. Uh, you know, he had 100 targets last year. Does he have 100 targets this year? I don't know. How much does Chris Thompson really eat into that? There's possibility him reuniting, uh, reuniting with a Jay Gruden. So, you know... That could put you at somewhat of a disadvantage in PPR leagues. Supposedly, you know, he's looking for some touchdown regre- uh, progression after having only three touchdowns last year. But for me, I think Chris Carson, as long as he's healthy, and that's, again, a big factor, you're getting a guy who's going to rush for 1,000 yards probably and be the main back in this offense here. Obviously, Pete Carroll loves him, uh, and we've seen that the last two seasons now with the front office getting Penny, but they stick with Carson, who was a seventh rounder. And I think they continue to go with Chris Carson this year. Even with Carlos Hyde there, Penny's probably going to be on the pump the first six weeks. And as long as he can stay healthy, he's going to be a guy. If, if I take one of these guys in round three, I'm taking Chris Carson. I totally agree with you. And I think, what do you think Lenny's uh, target's going to be at? Well, he had 100 this past year. I think it'll be 60 40 split up mm. if Chris Thompson can stay healthy the whole season. 
Uh, let me just see where Chris, where he had his uh, targets last year. Let me see where his targets were over his career now. He's got 20, 48 and 26 in the last two seasons, and he hasn't played a 16-game season yet. Uh, you know, he got 30, 48 in 2017 with 13 games. I guess somewhere around 50, 50 to 60 targets he could see this year still because Menchu obviously seemed to love to throw to the RBs. So yeah, that's what, I was that's what I'm thinking. Uh, and again, he only had three touchdowns. If he could do something like he did in his rookie year, he'd be a pretty decent season. And that was, you know, 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns, 50 targets, 300 yards in the air. That's pretty what I'm looking at when it comes to Leonard Fournette in 2020. And the only thing that scares me about Fournette last point is just because, like, I know Gardner Mitchell has another year under his belt, but when they get their, sh- their shit blown out of him and they're behind in games, he does not get that many carries and just passing the ball. So he kind of gets – he's game script. Right? Exactly. There could be some game script to him. Absolutely. And going over to round four now. Uh, this one's a definitely an interesting one, too, because – uh, and this one might be more clear cut as well when I after I had the fact, but it's James Conner, first one. He, you know, obviously had a bad injury plague season, very inefficient, and we've known him over the last two seasons now to be somewhat of an injury prone running back. And now he comes back in, coaching staff seems to really support him to be the lead back once again. You get a guy like Mark Ingram now, who was great last year, very efficient on less than almost two hundred carries, and he has to deal with a very crowded backfield of really good running backs now uh, going into his second season with the Ravens. And then you get a guy like Keenan Allen, who's been a consistent top 15 wide receiver over the last three seasons now. But now he's moving on from Phillip Rivers, and now he has to deal with Tyrod Taylor, who we really haven't seen Tyrod Taylor play 16 games since back in the early early mid-2010s with you know Buffalo. So, Jibs, where are you leaning here? Are you going to go with maybe one of these, you know, reliable RBs or are you going to go with a guy like Keenan Allen? I'm going reliable RB and I'm choosing James. <laughs> not even a reliable. These guys are, I guess like, these guys cannot be reliable, but I'm going to go with RB and it's going to be James Conner just because um, this is a fact that I'm just going to write, I can't write everything off that happened to the Steelers last year. Obviously it's football. People get hurt. But I think like like we said in the podcast before, like with Big Ben coming back, I think that's a game changer for the whole offense. The defense just can't stack the box. They knew they were running the ball, and they weren't throwing it far. Um, so they kind of got a little bit together late in the year. But whether fantasy managers like it or not, like he's going to be a staple in the offense. Uh, he has good receiving prowess. We've seen even last year in his like somewhat games that he like kind of came through for you. He had good reception totals. He eight plus targets like and he catches the ball pretty well too so i'm gonna go with that factor and the upside obviously i am taking a huge risk with his um medical bill recently but at the end of the day that's what i'm going with yeah no i understand your your takes on you know connor because he's definitely was really close to me wanting to take him as well but i still am a keenan allen believer i i just don't believe that you got a guy who's probably one of the best route runners in the game, per, per he says. <laughs> he is, though. He really is, though. And Tyrod Taylor is going to throw the ball. They're going to have to throw the ball. They're, they're not going to be able to play just, you know, they're not going to give him only, like, 
15 attempts a game. He's going to have times where he's going to be in the 20, mid-20s, the late, the late 20s, the early 30s in, in passing attempts. It's going to happen during the season. I know the defense is good and they want to run the ball, but Tyrod Taylor is going to have to throw it, and he's going to throw it to someone, and Keenan Allen is just as good as it gets. And again, round four, none of these guys really... F- are rich for my blood but this is where their adps are going right now and I, if i get both any of these guys in round five i'd probably be much happier maybe round six because the people in round five should be above them in round four but if i'm going to go with one of these guys it's got to be keenan allen because i think he's going to be a ppr guy still he may not get the the upside he has when he was with rivers but i, I think he could still see 100 targets this coming season in this offense and get well over a thousand yards this year because he's just that good of an, a wide receiver and I think it's just a safer route to go because Connor has dealt with injury concerns. Ingram could be kind of phased out in somewhat of a uh, positive progression in the uh, in the offense as they are winning games. So I think Keenan Allen, I think it's just a, is a soft, smart, safe way to go from taking guy in round four. He definitely is. He's a safe route. He just kind of annoyed me last year. Uh, even with Phillip Rivers passing lows, I don't think Tyrod's going to be that bad because he's not that turnover prone, but... It just seems like Keenan Allen bailed you out in the fourth quarter, and you kind of don't want to be sweating in the fourth quarter to get you some points. I mean, his rookie year, he had 100, tar- 100 targets, 1,000 yards, and eight touchdowns. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay I with that. I know who Keenan Allen is. I know. I'm just saying. He's I'm okay with that, man. <laughs> He's the, the freaking um, discounted wide receiver, like, like upside like wide receiver. Plus He's three like years. Almost like a wide receiver one every year. Oh, yeah. The love, love me some Keenan uh, now the people in round five, though, those people should probably be in round four. I think they have much more upside than the guys in round four. But the guys in round five, we have Bob Woods, who obviously I've been, been talking about all offseason. Uh, you know, great year last year. Last two years, he's been a really good wide receiver. Uh, and he's still with this Rams team who continues to throw the ball. You have DJ Shark, the rookie, well, the second-year guy last year, who broke out in a big way with Gardner Menchu, who will be his quarterback again this season. Uh, and then you go at this point in the draft this is what Kyle Murray's going and Kyle Murray we all know you know Hopkins now Kenyon Drake full full season uh this offense is looking to take the next step now and Jibs I have to know are, are, is it time to take Kyle Murray here in this offense it's, it's time to take Kyle Murray okay that's who I picked just because Kyle Murray the rookie year like I, I watched him play a few games last year and like he looked like he got in better. He took his little rookie rose in the, during the beginning of the season. And he finished fantasy QB8 last year. It's just like, okay, like, that's something that, like, he finished with Bud Rogers and, like, packed the crew. But it's year two. And you know me, Steve. Like, I, I don't like to pick the quarterbacks early, but I've been pretty hot the last two years in your home league picking the the, the QB1s lately. And I'm making the case for Kyle Murray this year. I think he's going to be that QB that probably sends your team to be in, like, a league. He could be a league winner for you. And you never even know. Like, you could find a quarterback later on, of course, that could provide you absurd production from where you got him from. But I think Kyle Murray is going to be a league this year with the addition of Hopkins. They have Kenyon Drake for the full year. They can scheme better. It's just going to be something nice to see. Yeah. And he has rushing floor, too. So that, that always helps. No, I understand your take on that. Believe me. I can see why Kyle Murray in round five seems appealing. Obviously, you're looking for that you know, year two breakout that we've seen with Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson over the last two years. 
to me, I don't like taking quarterback early, Jibs. I know you really don't most of the time, so I was a little shocked when you said it. I understand that it's been a positive thing for you over the last couple seasons in, in one of our leagues. But to me, it's Bob Wood still. I think if you're going for, again, I'd like to take my quarterback slower, and we'll get to other quarterbacks who may be eventually popping up. But uh, Woods is just a, a PPR guy. You know, He's going to see 130 targets again this coming season. His bad thing last year was the touchdowns, and... I think the touchdowns will come back to earth a little bit. I mean, he had two. If he would have had at least four more, he would have been a wide receiver one on the entire season. That's that's kind of where how minimal a wide receiver one and where Bob Woods finished last year. You know, it's another what twenty four points. So I think Bob Woods will see the same target share. He's obviously was very involved when the team switched those 12 personnels last year which i think they're going to incorporate into their offense a little bit more this season so bob woods is going to be on the field and he's going to see targets consistently throughout the season and and be a guy who i think will be just a safe bet that you're getting in round five who has wide receiver one upside i think in this rams offense this coming year and, and that's really why i think he's just more of a consistent guy than taking a guy like shark who might have more blow up weeks because of menchu and that defense being very bad as it is and again, Murray isn't a bad option either. I just, I just don't like taking a quarterback there early. I, I don't, I see the upside, but I don't see enough for me to take him in round five this year. Well, Steve, you know us, like we, we think that like, so I pick Bob Woods too, but I gotta let the people know about Murray and my hot take. <laughs> no, I get you. Your hot take, you know, coach hot take. So I got you on that. <laughs> uh, going into round six now, uh, we got some wide receivers now, and Devontae Parker, my boy from Miami. Breakout fifth-year guy. Comes back. Preston Williams is coming back. We all know he didn't perform as well with Preston Williams, but he's got Ryan Fitzpatrick more than likely for the first half of the season, maybe two at the second half. And then you got a guy like A.J. Green, who hasn't played in over 18 months probably uh, since injuring himself in 2018 and not playing in 2019. Uh, Comes back to a team with a crowded wide receiver core and a rookie quarterback in Joe Burrow. And then you have Debo Samuel, who surprisingly is still being drafted in round five. Uh, there's haven't heard much news on his injury. Uh, he hasn't been put on the pump list yet, so that is a good sign that he could be available week one for you. But we all know what Debo is able to do when he gets the ball in his hand, and and an offense that probably needs a uh, you know talent in that receiving game. So, Jibs, what are these wide receivers you taking in round six? Um, I'm not going to do uh, listeners as a service because I picked Parker, so I'm going to let you explain it. But I'm just going to go on an AJ Green rant, pretty much. No, go for it. Um, because this round six selection you gave us is a great grab rag because, like you said, you got a player who finally showed up on the scene. You have a consistent player who has been hurt the last couple of years. And then you have a young player who doesn't hopefully trend that way. Um, if Samuel falls a couple more rounds, I'll say round eight, I'll definitely pick him as the ADP trend goes down. But um, AJ Green, man, like, I, I drafted him the last three years hoping I could get a little something something out of him, and then, like, he just kind of burns his tire out or he doesn't show up or he's just hurt. It's just like I, I just can't get on that bandwagon, and um, even though I just feel like Devontae Parker, he showed up on the scene last year, and Brian Fitzpatrick and him have the supreme chemistry. I think that's the avenue to go. And we'll even talk about another Dolphins player you should select later as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. If we, if we get there, we'll see how we're already in the 40-minute mark or so. So maybe a little bit less because I started late. But I went with Devontae Parker on this one. And, and for me, it's that obviously you saw Albert Wilson, you know, you know, opt out. You've seen players opt out. And Devontae Parker is a downfield threat in an offense who guys can go up and get contested catches. And Ryan Fitzpatrick just loves air the ball out. And he, I think he continues to do that this season too. I don't see why. I mean, you know, Preston Williams was – uh, kind of held him in check last year, Devontae Parker. But Preston Williams, I think, did his damage with the guy like Josh Rosen last year. Well, Ryan Fitzpatrick really didn't throw that much to the to um, I can't think of the name of Preston Williams last year. So I, I think that you saw the Parker Fitzpatrick chemistry form last year, and, and I can I can see that continuing this year, and I think it will continue. The, uh, the defense is still isn't the best i think they're gonna to have to throw the ball in in the season to kind of be productive if they want to win games i don't think the run game is going to win them the game so i just think that Fitzpatrick's going to air it out and if Tua comes in i think Tua has a pretty good deep ball that can kind of get the ball to ryan to Devontae parker and people keep on forgetting that Tua, if he goes in it's not gonna be all bad he's gonna he has a deep ball to his game and and i think parker will benefit from that so no matter what happens i think you know I'd rather take Devontae Parker, who's coming on a high right now, than get a guy like A.J. Green, who's coming off injury, a uh, crowded field, and Debo, who also is coming off injury, at, in that case, with a not-first-pass offense. So that's kind of why I lean Devontae Parker on that one. And going into round seven now, uh, we have one from every position just about at this point. And round seven is Kareem Hunt. We all know Kareem Hunt was the you know backup to Nick Chubb last year, who came in and still still carries and made himself look very promising after uh, after being away from Kansas City after uh, some issues that he was dealing with. Uh, obviously, you know Tyler Boyd, the the teammate of AJ Green, who's been a solid you know wide receiver one for them over the last eighteen months and. Uh, comes back to the slot role in this offense. That's something that Joe Burrow may actually really like. We'll talk about that in a second. And uh, Evan Ingram, the tight end from uh, the Giants, who at this point, you're around seven, you're looking for a tight end possibly, who has tremendous upside when he's on the field. It's just that he's been injured too much over the last three seasons now. So, Jibs, what direction would you go at this point in the draft? Oh, in this direction of the draft, the answer is definitely Tyler Boyd, but I'm going to make a case for Graham Hunt. Because obviously, like he he's an elite handcuff when you get at the end of the day. But um, he has a prominent role in the offense. He had we'll see what uh, the new coaching scheme comes up with. I think he'll probably get a little bit more rushes due to um, Kevin Savansky's old playing style. But like they'll be it'll be a sin for them not to use him in the passing game like they used him last year. Kareem Hunt when he came back for suspension, had six straight games of double-digit fancy points. And you usually don't get that from a backup running back, which is promising. And at the end of the day, obviously, um, if, if it was Chubb to go down to injury, I'm praying that doesn't happen. I love Chubb. But um, Kareem Hunt will be a league-winning running back that you could get in the seventh round. But he still has standalone value. No, I get what you're saying. Uh, Kareem Hunt definitely has that upside. I think you like an offense. And plus, if Nick Chubb having something happened to Nick Chubb, obviously, Kareem Hunt, uh, basically a wide RB1, basically free for the season. And then obviously, Evan Ingram has that upside to be a possible tight end one, to be honest. He has a possibility to be a top three tight end if he could stay healthy. And I like the cons- I like a consistently fa- consistent factor still. And I think taking a guy like Tyler Boyd, I think he's still very consistent. Yes. We talked about AJ Green and the crowded offense, but with Tyler Boyd, I think his story is a little different. Is because the quarterback situation, and we saw last year Joe Burrow in college. 
you know who the slot receiver was, Jibs? It was Justin Jefferson. You know how many yeah. catches he had? He had like 150 or something like that last year. Uh, it was an absurd amount, and, and it was from the slot role. Jefferson, Jefferson just, just played the slot last year. Guess what Tyler Boyd plays? The slot role, guys, and and he's going to see uh, plenty of targets. He's going to be a safety net for Joe Burrow all season long, uh, and, and if the coaching staff doesn't see that he was very very calm throwing to the to the slot role, he's they're missing something because he was phenomenal, phenomenal t- throwing to the slot position. So Tyler Boyd, I mean, I, he has an opportunity to see over 100 targets again and probably see 100 receptions this year, even with A.J. Green on the field. And when you know, the last time they two played together, Tyler Boyd was actually a top 15 wide receiver uh, in 2018 with A.J. Green on the field. So I think, if anything, just A.J. Green being there just helps him. T. Higgins going to learn the offense to goes. John Ross cannot be relied on as a 16-game pace kind of guy. So Tyler Boyd, uh, I think it's, it's round seven at this point. I think you're just getting a great wide, great wide receiver for your team. And then we'll go to round eight here. And round eight goes back to some wide running back course. And it's some more Miami Dolphins and Jordan Howard, who you know we all know him to be a two-down back. Matt Breida, the kind of home run threat for the Miami Dolphins. And then Carryon Johnson, who obviously looks like he could be playing a backup role or complement role to a DeAndre Swift type. Um, at this point in the draft, to be honest, Chips, I probably would take none of these guys, but they're all going in round eight. If you had to pick one, who are you picking? <laughs> you gave me two Dolphins running backs and for a running back, which is absurd. So, um, yeah, if you have the guns, man, I'm picking Jordan Howard. Um, Jordan Howard, like everywhere he's been, he's been so he's been a productive player. He's not going to be like the blowout guy. He's going to be like killing like uh, defenses, but like he just gives you four yards, four and a half yards per carry, and like yeah, he doesn't receive the ball. He did a little bit in Philadelphia last year, but I just think like he's not going to be hurt. Hopefully, I think Bridget is going to be more susceptible to injury due to what happened in um, San Francisco. So out, out of those two choices, I'm taking the guy who's rarely hurt over the guys who are always hurt. Yeah, uh, that that's basically who I'm going with too. Jordan Howard, uh, Matt Breida obviously has injury issues, so does Carry On. Both have a. A, a talent to him and flashes but Jordan Howard I think he's just another consistent factor unfortunately again I wouldn't want to take any of these guys in round 8 but this is where they're going in a lot of drafts and if you had to pick somebody at this round Jordan Howard I think has the touchdown upside we saw Kalen Balaj have like 26 red zone t- opportunities last year uh, yeah Kalen, Kalen Balaj guys Jordan Howard can do th- things with 28 28 red zone attempts uh, and i think he could do have multiple he could have a 10 touchdown season on maybe like 800 yards and that's what i can kind of see him as at this season the possibility so uh, i think people are kind of sleeping on jordan howard a little bit that he can't be productive and i think he will be productive especially when they get in the red zone and they just kind of run the ball up the middle and let him kind of just do work uh, and that's kind of why i also picked jordan howard in round eight so and I also can see Jordan Howard, like based off his frame, just being more productive in the red zone, close to the goal line, because Matt Breed is a little bit, well, he's a little lighter, but I just see Jordan Howard just ramming goal lines. But they're both going to be productive players. I just think their ADPs just keep like reflecting one another. Like when one goes, keeps getting drafted up, the other one keeps getting drafted up. So yeah. like, every time one gets picked, the other one gets picked. Yeah, and I'm in another scenario where the guys who are in the next round here, I'd rather take above any of these guys. And we're going to round nine now, and it's Marvin Jones, the reliable veteran who 
is very productive when he's on the field, but he's unfortunately been injured the last two seasons now and hasn't finished. Matthew Stafford, quarterback, we're back on the QBs here in round nine. And we all know Matthew Stafford was on a pace to be a really a top five fantasy quarterback, and he's been a pretty good one over his entire career now, but he's had dealt with injuries the last couple of seasons now. And then J.K. Dobbins, the rookie uh, who fell in drafts and landed with probably one of the better run situations, uh, maybe not the backfield itself, but his own opportunity possibly, uh, probably being the second or third guy on this team, and he could have a role early on possibly. Uh, Jibs, where are you landing here with the you know possible wide receiver two, a QB, or a, an RB right now who's a backup? So based off of how I draft, this probably would be Stafford, but I'm going to make my case for J.K. Dobbins, a.k.a. lottery ticket, a.k.a. Oh my lord! When you see him on the field next year, but um, like like I said, like I either have a complete roster minus the QB lurking like this late in the draft, or I just need uh, to take some elite game-winning talent. And um, I think J.K. Dobbins could be that guy. Like um, we saw what twenty-nine-year-old Mark Ingram doing that offense, and. Obviously, we heard John Harbaugh say, like, hey, we're going to use all four running backs. Like, I'm not saying J.K. Dobbs is going to have an elite year, but regardless, I think he's going to get some good in the offense. I think we saw Gus Edwards had an established role last year. They're going to put him to the line. Justice Hill, we saw him in some flashes, but, like, he's not going to get that much work either. So I'm just making the case for um, a lottery ticket, and I think J.K. Dobbs could have elite – Ely, like, let's catapulting yourself up to, like, a top RB1 if he gets the time, the injury factor, and just as having a Ravens as, even, like, even like you said, Steve, the Ravens had the easiest schedule. They're projected to go 16-0 and 0 pretty much, like, in Vegas, or maybe 14, 15, and 1. He's going to get some touches on the field. Mark Ingram's not going to be playing in the fourth quarter when they're bludgeoning teams by like 20 points. Yes, J.K. Dobbins is a a lottery ticket-like guy. I mean, you saw last year, Gus Edward had 133 carries. Imagine what J.K. Dobbins, who's more exclusive kind of back than than that nose middle down the middle uh, Gus Edwards is. So, no, I definitely agree with your take that Taking him possibly here in round nine, it could be a good move overall. Uh, for me, though, I, I'm still going to go with Stafford at this point. This is where I like to take Stafford in a lot of drafts. Uh, Matt Ryan's here a lot, too, and I would have to put him in there, but he goes a little higher. But uh, Matthew Stafford, guys, I mean, if you're looking for a quarterback, and I think at this point you have your starting lineup, you know, Matthew Stafford last year, he was on pace for, like I said, for almost a tight end, a quarterback one last year. I mean, he's been a top 11 quarterback over his career. Uh, just has again he has a great offense around him now he's got a more efficient run game with a receiving ability to them uh, he had five qb1 finishes last year in eight games uh, i mean 19 touchdowns just five picks on the season not a big rushing floor but i mean the kid's gonna air the ball out consistently he said his back's completely healthy now and i think the offense is in a dire need where they're gonna have to just let stafford rely on his arm and trying to get the job done because the coaching staff is on the hot seat right now so uh for me it's, it's matthew stafford uh the only thing is that matthew stafford does have a tough early season schedule which would make me kind of want to turn off him a little bit but uh, over a 16 game pace i mean i think he's just a, a fantastic quarterback for your 2020 seasons 
And and there's nothing wrong with Marvin Jones either, guys. You could also take that route and go with like a, maybe a consistent option early on at least. Who knows if his health is there? But I mean, Marvin Jones has been known to produce in offenses, so just just so you know that as well. And then in round ten, we're at now. Uh, we only go to we only go to thirteen jibs, unfortunately. Uh, Latavius Murray, uh, obviously now the backup to you know Alvin Kamara, who when given the big opportunity can produce big fantasy points. Or would you want to go to at this point? Uh, two youngsters who are rising. Third-year guy Mike Kosicki, who had a br- somewhat of a breakout, mini breakout 2019 season, and a uh, really good season from a guy like Noah Font and a new high-power offense that they're trying to run in Denver here. Where are you going now in drafts? I'm going Kosicki, New Jersey guy. Let's go. <laughs> but um, like I'm like very sick that I'm playing. I'm picking so many Dolphins players. It seems like after a decade, they're finally getting things together. And um, Gazeki woke up after the middle of the season. And he like, definitely put his name towards like the top of the tight end to converse, conversation, in my estimate. So, and like you said earlier, given the fact that uh, Albert Wilson and um, Jakeem Grant, yeah, after that? Jakeem Grant didn't opt out. It was Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns. And Alan Hearns opted out. So since those two guys opted out, I just think that just gives a clean pathway for some more. I'm not saying more, it's about the same targets that he had last year. I know that, like, I think like he got a little bit more productive towards late last season when Preston Williams went down. But I think Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Mike Zeki, and then when you just throw uh, Kim Brandt, your little gadget sneak player in the offense, I think that's a little setup. Nice little setup for the Dolphins' core going future. Going forward. Yeah, at this point in the draft, again, I still wouldn't want to take these guys here. I think I'd write another round or two. I'd probably want to take the guys above him, maybe, possibly over that. But mm-hmm. uh, Mike Isecki is definitely a guy who's I think, a, has a chance to take a big leap in the offense this year. I don't think Preston Williams hurts his value too, too much. I think he could still see uh, some decent value in an offense that's going to throw the ball still. And we saw him last year just be a dominant. I know it was Preston Williams was out for you know that period of time there, but Mike Isecki was just a dominant athletic freak that I think can do a lot with the ball in his hand when he gets it. And you know I could see him having very similar numbers, uh, maybe a little more efficient on the target to reception ratio, but uh, he has a chance to do some really good work in his third year. And I mean he's just been getting better and better. And you can't put a guy down who has a tremendous talent like that. He's going to eventually succeed. Uh, whether you like it or not. Uh, so we'll go to round 11 because we're getting out of time here. We're getting close to that hour mark here. Uh, Daniel Jones comes in in round 11. Obviously, rookie last year who put up some pretty big numbers at times last year. And, you know, Daniel Jones' worst game was was 12.9 fantasy points last year, Jibs. That was his worst game last year. He didn't have a negative game. He didn't have single-digit game. His 12 when he was a starter, 12.9, guys. Um, Sterling Shepard, his teammate, who battled injury half the season, but kind of came on late at the end of the year. And then a youngster who we all thought would have a big breakout, uh, Nicole Harmon, his rookie year, never really did. Saw some flashes at times last year, but he comes back in year two of the offense now. Jibs, in round 11, where are we going here? Oh, my God. It's going to be Harmon. You already know, Steve. <laughs> um, same, same philosophy with J.K. Dobbins. Uh, and he was one of my sleepers in an earlier episode, about a month ago. So, like, last year, Nicole Orman played about 45% of his snaps on average. And a lot of his good snap percentages came when um, Tyreek Hill was 
down with a shoulder injury early on last year. And he still made some splash plays on some gadget rushes or some, like, kind of, like, nice little yak play. And, like, he also was a good contributor to special teams. But we also heard reports that they want to get more involved in the offense. And if you have Tyree Killer Jr., basically, and obviously, you know, Sammy Watkins is going to be a thorn in the nail, and they still have the Marcus Robinson, but still, I just like the upside of the offense, and I'm, I'm going to go with one of my uh, fan favorites. No, uh, definitely, definitely, I can, I see your takes on that, my friend. I see your takes. I'm, I'm going with Sterling Shepard. Uh, I think if Sterling Shepard's on the field this year, he's going to see a big target share. Last year, when after week 12, when he came back from injury, he had like 11 more targets than the next top wide receiver. I know it's a little bit crowded in, in this wide receiver core, but not everyone's probably going to stay healthy. It just seems unlikely. But I really think Sterling Shepard, if he can stay healthy in round 11 at this point, I, I think he could be their team wide receiver one and be a wide receiver two in fantasy football this year. I think he have the targets and maybe not the touchdowns, but he's been known to have eight touchdowns in his you know, career before, so getting eight touchdowns could be pretty easy for him at some point, but the perceptions are going to be there, they're, they're going to be a pass-first team, even with Saquon Barkley there, because they're going to be probably behind in games, and I just think in around 11 at this point, you're getting a guy who's going to see probably 100 targets, you don't really see too many guys at this point getting 100 targets, and I think Sterling Shepard uh, is a tremendous talent that can do some big work in this offense. Uh, nothing against Michael Harmon. I just don't see him having the target share. Maybe he has a couple great games here and there, but not on a consistent basis. And Daniel Jones, um, nothing wrong with him. To be honest, you could go that route as well because I think Daniel Jones has an upside to do really good this year. Uh, I just like to take some... At this point, I like still to take a wide receiver like Sterling Shepard over Daniel Jones this coming season. And going into the next round here, uh, round 12... And we have Jameson Crowder, who has been a PPR machine the last year, last his whole career, basically. Um, and Henry Ruggs, the rookie, who was the first overall wide receiver taking in the draft, coming to the Raiders. And then another rookie in Je- Justin Jefferson, who will be playing the you know, opposite of Adam Thielen, the new Stefan Diggs, maybe. Uh, that's going to be interesting how they use him in that offense, but perfect fit for this offense. Uh, Jibs, where are you leaning? No, where are you aiming? Because I know the obvious pick is Jefferson, I believe. But let me hear, let me hear your case for Jefferson. See, with Jefferson, yeah, no, no, I get it, I get it. Like I said, Crowder is also an, another obvious choice because Adam Gase offense, slot roll, just a match made in heaven. Henry Ruggs, I could see him having some pretty blow up games at times this year. But I think Jefferson is just, I think her have a really consistent role early on in this offense. And again, there's really no one else there outside of Adam Thielen, unless you count one of the tight ends who. It's going to continue to keep Kyle Rudolph on the field over Irv Smith, which makes no sense at this point. But, uh, you know, Jefferson is just has great hands to him. He's got a good route running ability to his game here. He's not a blazing speed guy, but he can get the job done. Kind of just like Adam Thielen, honestly. And I think having both of them on the field, I think they can both work very well together. Even though they both play the slot role, uh, I think they can kind of mismatch them constantly throughout the field. And Kirk Cousins only threw 444 times last year and then you lose 90 targets to, to Stefan Diggs, uh, that's going to go up, and you're going to have to fill those targets with someone. Uh, I think Jefferson is just a better talent than any other wide receiver outside of Thielen on this team. I think he, at this point in round 12, he could have that top 35-40 season this year, uh, just having pure volume, and that defense is not as good as they weren't toward that secondary as a new core back there, so keep that in mind as well, guys. Okay. Uh, I'll just make the case for Ruggs then. 
So, like, obviously, I don't know if everyone heard, but there was a, a report late last week that Henry Ruggs was starting to slot. So, I'm um, sorry, rent boat owners move over. Mm-hmm. We got a burner on the loose. Um, I believe this will actually be a match made in heaven for both Derek Carr and Henry Ruggs because Derek Carr is a servicer starter who makes a lot of his uh, living on short, accurate throws. So, it, basically, if you're thinking about it, if Ruggs is playing seamlessly right in front of Carr, for the most part, you can see explosive plays like you mentioned before, like on short yardage players, like even when you're watching like the NFL draft, because like that's basically like their their highlight you know, highlight film. And you saw like Henry Ruggs catch like little little dinkers and just like take it to the house. So like they can make it happen. We've seen Derek Waller do it and he's not even as freaking quick as Henry Ruggs. So watch out for Ruggs too, but Jefferson is definitely the way you should go if you have these three guys available to you. Yeah, no, I said the Jefferson and Ruggs have that upside. Crowder is more of that consistent target. Uh, any of these guys at this point in the draft, I think, is a great pick for your teams. And then one last one. Uh, we're going to go to the other ones too, Joe. We're just going to name who we like there. But uh, round 13 is Jalen Reger, obviously another rookie who uh, is going to probably see a starting gig maybe week one with the Philadelphia Eagles. Fast guy at a TCU. Anthony Miller, year three now, who came on at the end of last season after a disappointment to the start of his uh, second year. And then a guy like Zach Moss, who a lot of people seem to be high on. I obviously am not one of those people, but uh, looks to take over that Frank Gore role and maybe see that goal line touchdown upside uh, to his game with the Buffalo Bills. So, Jibs, where are we leaning here? It is an Eagles play. You might as well not even ask. <laughs> okay, so you're so, going Jalen Rager. Uh, yeah, did you pick Rager too? I, I picked Rager too. I, I just think that he's going right, to see so it. Steve, good to take. Good to take. I've been, ra- I've been banging him home the last month. So. I, I just honestly just believe that he's going to see enough targets to be very consistent in, in this offense here. Uh, we saw Deshaun Jackson. When, if we find a healthy version of Deshaun Jackson, which is somewhat similar to Jalen Rager. I mean, eight catches, 150 yards, two touchdowns. Again, not an every week thing, but... Carson Wentz can throw the deep ball, and he's very accurate with the deep ball, too. And I think Rager is going to have to go deep a lot of times on post routes. Anything that keeps him away from being uh, having to go out for contested catches or being across the middle of the field where he could get ransacked real easily. And he, you don't get that with the other two. I think Anthony Miller is going to be still second behind uh, Allen Robinson and, uh, and that offense there. And the quarterback situation is not as good. And Zach Moss, you already know my take on Zach Moss. I mean, Devin Singletary, I believe that he can handle a big workload that makes it more of a 70-30 than a 40, you know, 55-54 kind of split. Okay, okay. And then I'll definitely do a second for Zach. I mean, Anthony Miller and a third for Zach Moss this late in the game. Okay. Okay. I see your take on that. And then we're just gonna go through the last three rounds. I'm not gonna. T- we're not gonna really talk about them. But I just want everyone to know where where some of these players are still going in, a- in terms of ADP. Round 14 was Preston Williams. Obviously, we talked about a lot about Preston Williams today. Uh, Cam Newton, the new quarterback for the Patriots, or AJ Dillon at this point in the draft, Chibs. I'm going Preston Williams. Preston Williams had similar to like less production than Devontae Parker when he was playing throughout the middle of the last season or early the last season. So I'm going to go with like a consistent, a low-key consistent player. Okay. Well, I'm still going to go with, I think at this point, Cam Newton's I think is a great value at around 14. I, I'd rather take him right there. 
just because it's I think Cam Newton can still do work as a starter. Uh, round 15, Michael Pittman, Nikhil Harry, or Alan Lazar? Lazar. <laughs> Uh, I understand. I know why. I absolutely know why. I'm going Michael Pittman. Uh, I think he's going to see a big role in year one in this offense here with a you know Philip Rivers led team. And then round 16, Hunter Renfell, which probably sucks now. T Higgins or Bashar Perryman? I'm choosing Perryman um, just because we saw the. Or I don't want to say that we saw. He could have that Robbie Anderson role. Offense with the Jets and Robbie Anderson leaving. So if they're going to put him as the fulcrum piece of that offense that take the top off player, I still think there's going to be some quality production there. Where Renfro, you still have people fighting for targets. You have Darren Waller. You have very new additions to the offense as well. And then T. Higgins, um, I think he's going to be buried in the offense behind T. Higgins, John Ross, A.J. Green as well. So you're just kind of praying on, like, someone to falter there before you get significant production. Of course, of course not. Definitely understand your takes on that. Uh, but that is the end of our episode, guys. We appreciate you listening in today. Uh, ADP battle is a lot of fun. Wish we had the third sometimes to take over the the splits, but uh, maybe for the next one we will be doing one more before the season end just to see where people are going. I've been keeping track on each one of these you know templates that I have here for it. So uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, you know please go visit our website at www.thefantasycoaches.com. We have all of our great content on there, articles, live streams, these podcasts, our rankings. Uh, all of our affiliates uh, on there as well. So if you're looking for like a draft board, we have Red Zone Draft Boards. Uh, giving a great away a great party pack or draft pack. Uh, you get ten dollars off when you use our promo code Coaches and a couple other things like Fanatics, Trophy Smack, uh, Monkey Knife Fight. We got a whole bunch of things going over there. So if you want to check us out, go head on over to our website and you know you can always follow us over on Twitter at Coaches Fantasy. You can follow me at Coach Stephen P. Take on Twitter. So give us a follow, guys. We'll be active as com- completely as we can this off season. Oh, this season actually coming up. We're only five short Sundays away. So I uh, look forward to it, guys. And tune in until next time. We'll be back on Thursday to talk about tight end rankings. Uh, looking forward to that. So take care, guys. Enjoy your, your day. Be safe and have a great one. The back is not far fetched. We got a couple of clock hands. I've been feeling super duper. How the heck they know the future? Come with me, don't be a loser. Grass is green like Cooper Scoopers. Clueless analysts don't do the half of this. In fact, I'm backing this by asking if y'all remember that tough act interacting. Sh- like boom, running like Zoom. The highest and mightiest entered the room. High off the knowledge, I'm feeling the fumes. All players cover this nothing. Since legumes, opponents are doomed, and these are the facts. I keep it 100 like I'm running track. And listen up, Jack, I'ma head back. Back to the blowing that, blowing that, blowing that, go.